You're listening to The 11th Hour, a podcast about Rancid, where myself, Sam Melancon of Debacle Records, and uh, Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis, uh, pick a song each week from the Rancid catalog and break down our complicated, very complicated sometimes, feelings <laughs> about it. Uh, this week... Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I picked uh, Fall Back Down off of Industries. <laughs> All right, lots to talk about here, but some basic facts. Uh, Indestructible was released in 2003 in the September. The songwriting credits on this song are Tim and Lars together. Production was, was they went back to Brett Gerwitz for this album, kind of the classic Epitaph uh, Records sort of era. There's a video that's very notorious that we might talk about a little bit. Um, but it's still in the end, the classic rants of video of pretending to play <laughs> and then yelling at the camera. So it's, uh, you know, right in the canon of hanging Rancid. with your bros, hanging with your bros. Yep. <laughs> and just, these bros are more millionaire bros. Yeah. Know, right. Right. So, um, uh, fall back down is the lead single from indestructible. It is, um, sort of a, um, kind of known for being the, tone and texture of this record being a return from a couple things and sort of feeling very um the title of indestructible is very um almost a little antagonistic to the world fall back down being about um tim's divorce kind of ugly divorce from uh brody now brody dale um who we'll talk about in a moment here uh but it was a it's a sort of like very poppy um anthem that is very much just the rancid version of well man oh you just broke up let's go out on town you know with the bros you know it kind of has that tone of just like that classic yeah. like bad advice breakup reaction song you know and it's i don't know how much this. we want to get into the song yet but fuck i hate this song <laughs> i absolutely hate this song anyway yeah it uh it is without a lot of pretense and it is incredibly direct what it's about you know what i mean like there's very little poeticism you know it is yeah. very much um us against them and she doesn't have your back and all these things uh but who is she so uh this is something that we've definitely stepped around and and we do, we didn't want to put it off too much longer but uh right. brody is um was tim's uh wife for a few years and and from 1997 to 2003 so six years but um the history with brody is is pretty complicated so it's not that complicated it's just kind of gross actually so yeah and uh, if this and if and if you're not aware of this and this like makes you never want to listen to this podcast again we understand yeah absolutely (laughs) we can say that a couple times on this podcast yeah like if you're like oh i'm interested in rancid and then you're like well that's kind of squicked out it's like yeah "Yeah, that's what we're dealing with this is right right part of the sort of why at this time did we start falling away from rancid it's like well because this got really obvious that this is what was going on we probably knew um but um yeah sorry anyway (laughs) yeah absolutely in 1995 um 
Brody was 16, I believe, based on what her actual numbers are. The, the quote I remember going around and found again was, she said she was 17 and told Tim she was 19. Uh, she Her band um, in Australia, she was Australian. She, her band in Australian, uh, Australian band called Sourpuss was playing a festival with Rancid in 1995 and they met and um, hit it off. And she claims that she told him he was 19. Uh, she says she was 17. I think that's even like to cover up how gross it actually was, you know, that she was probably 16 at the time. Uh, he was 32. Um, just an incredibly creepy age range. Um, a few years later in 1997, she moved to LA using some money she had gotten from the government um, for some pretty horrendous uh, sexual abuse stuff when she was a kid. She actually had been emancipated at 15 um, and had kind of a rough home life. She's kind of an interesting, awesome lady in terms of her history. She has she was going to be like a Olympic swimmer and uh, had this very you know kind of popular band in in Australia called Sourpuss. Um, I love her further. You know, well at some point I'm sure we'll talk about her art, which is great. Yeah. Punk rock. Still, first two distiller records are really interesting. I think Sing Sing Delft House is incredible. Yes. Um, But so she moved to LA. She was obviously infatuated and Tim was reciprocating. You don't really think about what that probably looked like at the time. You know, like we're talking landlines and, you know, barely any cell phones. And, you know, like this isn't a Zoom call every week. It's like so exactly how much interaction they had while she was not with him. I'm not sure. But at some point she moves around 1997 she moves to la and later that year they're they're married, married. yeah and so pro- it seems very much like a well she turned 18 now we can get married so uh everything else we're going to say about like context or anything like that i want to be very clear this is pretty fucked up yeah and like uh those you know really thinking about those ages again it's just if she was 19, it's creepy. You know what I mean? Like right. I mean, that's 22, the thing. It's creepy. Like, just yeah. the power imbalance, the, the sort of, the sort of, holy shit, it's Tim from Rancid, you know? And like, so there's, there's almost no way, even if they're like, once you talk about them as real people and they've lived their lives and like, they might be, have different feelings about this. Regardless, this is just creepy. It didn't need to be like this. It does. I don't know why he was so, um, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not close to them, but like, you know, and it's all these sort of secondhand stuff, but like there is nothing that kind of explains how creepy that age range is to me. No, no. I mean, I was, um, so like I have a daughter who's going to be nine and if she came home with somebody when she was 16, that was, you know, 30, uh, That'd be, I would be fucking pissed. Like, and not so much at her because when you, no. I mean, you're a kid. Yeah, so, exactly. So, um, I mean, the truth of it is kind of regardless of any of those things, as much as it fits up. It's pattern, fucking wrong. It's just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly fucked up. I, I like her. I'm glad she's in, like her art is in my life. I, I like, I obviously have this very complicated relationship with Tim. I, right. I love a lot of things and I love the image of Tim, but you know, the more you hear about, actual Tim you're like I don't know if I could hold a conversation with this guy much less be his friend but like a lot of his friends who are right thinking and interesting individuals kind of lived through this period with him and didn't feel too awful so what does that say about them like there's so much complicated like cascading problems with this Um, so to what you said Brad like if somebody hears that and goes I can't 
glorify these guys you know yeah. if, like yeah i agree i think a lot of this if this is where we end up in like you know we do many many episodes of this and we kind of that sort of problem eats away at this i probably would be fine with that being the outcome of where we're going but right i think a lot of what we're talking about is looking at this and going what does it mean when something that you love so much uh kind of gets uh tainted by something um well and and, it's yeah what's i I mean it's something i ask myself often in relation to a lot of things and like uh, why do certain things for me anyway, like I can't get past it and other things. It's like, it's more comp. I don't know. I, yeah, I just would, I chalk up to sometimes I'm a hardliner about this stuff and sometimes I'm not. And I think that if I was honest with myself, like I, I this is a real true self-reflection of like, why, why do I know this? But then I still kind of give a pass. Also, there's this kind of mental chunking that we'll talk about, which is mm-hmm. we mentally go, well, there's the first five records and everything went bad. But most of the Life of Wayne in, in 2000, Rancid 2000, that's when it was actually happening. Right. It happened around and out come the Wolves tour. You know what I mean? Like there is right. this, there were saints and then a bad thing happened. They're just kind of reflecting on the end of the bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, and and you know even for those guys like i don't know if every second of that was a bad thing but the core instigating thing of the relationship was quite bad you know what i mean it was quite uh gross and and hard to um comprehend and so what does that mean for us why is it that like op ivy gets a pass for the rest of time you know and does this should they right you know yeah it's like there's some really complicated feelings here and I don't want to act like I have the answers or that I'm uh, completely right. without um, flaw or failure in my own reflection on this. So almost nothing I'm going to say about this is definitive other than totally creepy power imbalance when they were met and it sounds like pretty not great yeah. experience when she got to LA because so to so to continue the story she gets to LA she forms a band sounds like tim in a very in a pattern that is probably a little less creepy but standard with it seems like a lot of people in his orbit like he likes to keep a, a family and a crew together it's right kind of, we've kind of talked about that he's kind of like kind of a uh, manufacturing this family around him uh keeping everything in the group you know like oh hey brody you're gonna put out records on my label you know like yeah i mean there's a there's a quote from thing. her about that like in that um guardian article which we could put in the Yep, definitely. song notes where she talks about how like she he signed her to Epitaph or I guess Hellcat at the time I don't know yeah, this is yep, pre-Hellcat yeah. uh, because he wanted to ensure everything stayed in quote unquote in the family yeah and, and she's, she calls him childlike in that she calls mm-hmm. him controlling I there's I don't believe there's been anything other than maybe some turbulence I don't believe there's anything too um, extreme in the relationship otherwise though i have no idea so i shouldn't right. absolve them of that um and i only say that because there when you look at brody there is some stuff with her further people in her life where there was some pretty extreme uh stuff and i, I as much as i'm creeped out by this i don't think there was any i could not find anything of like uh he was kind of childlike and short-sighted and really controlling of like right. where my music went, where I went, and that sounds awful. And she should get out of that relationship. Like, like, right? No, no 
Uh, right, right. No that's not absolving that. like, anything. Right? No, 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 no. But I'm yeah. also like want to make it clear, like as much as it's creepy, there's there's sort of a line of creepiness. And again, that's maybe that's too much. Um, I, maybe I should walk that back. Maybe that's too much. You know, trying to rate the creepiness, which is not the point. It's just yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um. So in 2002, 2003. It's very strange thing happened. They were somewhat separated on doing tours, and you know, obviously, weren't very close. And hey, what was it? Rolling Stone or Spin? Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Rolling Stone. And I remember seeing this. I remember getting this. Record, oh wow! This, this magazine, um, kind of for something else, and then being like, "What's going on? Like, why is Brody making out in a very like demonstrative way with Josh Homme from um, uh, Queens of the Stone Age?" And it seems like they had struck up a relationship on some sort of tour situation or a Lollapalooza type thing. And uh, supposedly Tim kind of found out about it via that article, which I, that still feels like apocrypha to me. Like that, that yeah. that's, that wasn't already a problem and they weren't already starting to go through some problems, some separation. Right. But, um, she, they finally were divorced in 2003. It was, it sounds like it was pretty messy. The thing that is the real capper for me of my, my anger um, like there was sort of the original sin of like why are these guys together right yeah. but the real thing was when they finally were divorced and that sort of like Josh Homme thing happened mm-hmm. it all became this very classic masculine right. thing of her band gets blacklisted he cuts her off from all her friends that they had built up in LA together right so mm-hmm. now she's like they, there was all became this huge fan backlash to like Queens of the Stone Age and and Josh, and it became this sort of like, are you with Tim or is Josh? Which completely takes all the sort of like, like she's a prize to be won, and like all yeah, this classic sexist. Like remo- yeah, it removes all her agency entirely. Agency and yeah, like, why? Everything. Maybe she doesn't want to fucking be with Tim. Give right. me a fucking break. Right. He's, a, he's a weird man child, like, right. who got, you know, who started dating her when she was like, you know, nothing years old. Like, so like, uh, yeah. Like, it just became every gross internet male versus male ownership of a woman sort of tone um people were calling her out i mean i'm sure she's called ever been every name in the book i'm sure you know, and and then you know they were blacklisting them from playing in the scene i mean rancid is this big you know group and um you know members of the rancid crew were shitting on and intimidating right. members of both queens of stone age and distillers and the the beef was with tim and I mean, it's just such a classic, yeah. like every bad drama filled thing you've ever heard of, like how to masculine, like hyper masculine right. people react to a breakup. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's every shitty, toxic masculinity, ownership of a woman, every single thing seemed to have happened. And yep. so uh, you couple that with like sort of this return record of that moment, and um, and the tone is indestructible and it's starting to become this tone of like we're old but um <laughs> but we're still here and tim sort of being like yeah i was really hurt you know and getting back into the song you know the theme of the song was i've been beat up but been knocked out beat down black and blue right you know I, i've had a bad year but i got through you know it's like it's kind of poor me i got my friend fam- it's like this doubling tripling down on the family thing right no yeah. lessons learned, no self awareness. Yeah, right. It's all. I mean that, and that's the thing is, it's like the whole song is you know, it's everybody else's fault. Um, 
Uh, and, and it's just it's also simple like simplistic and it goes back to the you know there's this childishness to it I have like in my notes that I made I put that half these lyrics sound like the kind of crap you'd find on a motivational poster at Hobby Lobby like yeah it's yeah. it's it's so oh god it I it grates like on every if I fall back down you're gonna help me back up again if I fall back down, you're gonna be my friend. If I fall back down, you're gonna help me back up again. If I fall back down, you're gonna be my friend. Hey, take this extra to learn a lesson. You're gonna make it through the darkest night. Some people portray more than class I mean, the whole it, it kind of encapsulates the whole thing of like, well, it's not my fault. Yeah, it's doubling down of like, uh, like poor me. What was me? I was betrayed right. by my woman. Like, it's just, just like, yeah. And even if you, who the like, it, well, I mean, the whole thing. Let's say it was like that. Like, who the, the it's such a simplistic rile right. up his fan base, you know, sort of. I don't know. But I know we're a little bit more aware of like what what a fan base can do and sort of like the responsibility you have of like oversimplifying relationships and things like that like yeah. in this day and age where you know weaponizing fan bases is a thing right, for sure. But like, you know, and that's kind of the beginning of that so like maybe they were super aware but like I think they were. I think they knew that this was going to be like for the people who are still with mm-hmm. me, you know, there's this kind of like thing that happens oh. when Chappelle or Louis CK or yep. all these bands or people like go do something shitty don't double down don't realize the mistake and then um or the total outright shittiness depending on who we're talking about and then get this fan base of people who are like really personally offended by the fact that like i have to stop liking this because they fucked up no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna like them more yeah give me give me ammo to like them more and it's like I just wish it was more nuanced. I wish there was some sort of thoughtfulness here instead of just like, I mean, this song literally could be like called like "fuck that bitch." You know what I mean? Like, right. It, yeah. I mean, that's what it's. Yeah. That's the that's the non Hobby Lobby version. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's like what what a what a missed opportunity. What a complete. Yeah. You know, and and well, and this kind of goes. You know, we've talked about how you know. It's funny because for, you know, in some ways people think of like punk rock and, um, I don't know, different kinds of music as being these sort of bastions of like forward thinking, progressive attitudes and stuff, you know, and you think, and if you look back at some of, I mean, I I often talk about how like Kill Rock Stars and Bikini Kill were probably as formative for me as Rancid and, and that stuff, you know, granted there's in hindsight there's issues there too there's issues everywhere but like that was more um in that vein and you know we've talked about the conservatism of rancid we've talked about it more from a musical standpoint but i think there's not like conservatism like republicans and democrats kind of because you know they are pretty outspoken about like Racism and th- whatever. I mean, you know. uh, I was talking about all sorts of things with racism and sexism and all these things. But yeah, but the, the way they walk the walk here is just so obvious. There's no, there's no self awareness yeah. 
I mean, I think defaults back to all the bad patterns, you know, like, and you go like, they keep getting in their own way, right? They keep getting in their own (laughs) way. And, and this is just, you know, I, I, I also will probably assume that the difference between today and that moment is pretty big too. And I, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I really hope that there's some sort of awareness and reconciliation, not between Tim and Brody. She's, yeah, she, she doesn't owe him shit. <laughs> she doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I just mean within their own brains about yes. this period, and the sort of like fearful doubling down that happened on this record was. You know, we'll talk more about this record probably when we pick a different song from this because I have a lot of complicated feelings on it. But that sort of tone that permeated the record of doubling down and sort of, you know, you pair it with the not learning. We talked a lot about fall back down being this apex of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple years before. And that they didn't continue that, they didn't extend that, or even the interestingness of the rest of that record um, that much. And they kind of made the next generic rancid record here. Yeah, I think I'm starting to come around to a lot more of it than I did at the time. But like, it just it was so distasteful at the time. And even me being like this huge, so, I guess you could call him like stand for 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 Tim. Right. I was moving so far away from all this anyways, and it had this like gross tone to it it just became my quote-unquote last rancid record you know what i mean like so, it became where yeah. i stepped away you well know? so i'm curious and because i was thinking about this so it's you know when all the when this stuff was happening in you know 97 98 not, I, I mean I, I had no awareness of it and i'm not saying that's an excuse or anything but like i don't know how much of it like i i don't even know if i knew who brody was it i don't know when that first distillers record came out um but I think it like, and because it's such a major part of this record, and part of the reason that I've until recently have wanted nothing to do with this record is because for me, it was this is when I learned about all of this shit. Like, even the oh, he was 30, she was 16, they got uh, and it just, I like it, <laughs> like we talked, I ate gross me out and I just you know yeah um, I I for context I did know a lot about this I think I brushed over the like I remember that quote and kind of talking to my girlfriend at the time about like ah, I guess it's pretty shitty with the whole 17 and 19 quote that she had I like yeah she was like I love fell in love with him I was 17 I told him I was 19 and I remember being like well right seem to really like each other you know because this was something to think about again I kind of talked about it but like Life Won't Wait's one of my favorite records ever, you know what I mean? And very personal record to me, but like half the songs of Life Won't Wait are basically songs to Brody. Yeah. Um, and about how great she was. And yeah, then in 2000, the same year as the Rancid 2000 record, she put they put out the first Distillers record. I was so excited for it. I remember it, she was, there was actually this tape comp that they had at like Warp Tour that was like kind of a mini Give Them the Boot, like preview of, of upcoming cat stuff and there was like a one of the the tracks was on there and i was like wow she's awesome like you know and she really was the first two distiller records are incredible i love them i think sing sing death house is the best thing hellcat put out um and i we i was reflecting on it a lot about it's interesting that i think if you caught yourself being lazy about your fandom of rancid i tell me if this is true for you they're sort of like, well, there's this great era, you know, Op5 is amazing, they have this great era of the four records, and then the fifth being like this whole interesting twist, and then everything goes bad. 
Mm -hmm. But that's not true. They were meeting at Alk on the Wolves era. You know what I mean? Like, right. If to own this, we have to be honest that yeah. like it was going on the whole time. And again, like, the, like I don't think anything kind of separates out from the like core problems there. But like, I think it's a problem that we have to live with and sit with if we're going to be rancid fans. But I was I was also thinking about like this is not new. We're not treading new ground. The sort of sure. whole thing of like can you like a problematic artist? And I think right. we've kind of gone back and forth and gotten less nuance and more nuance about that as a group, you know what I mean? And I, you know, I'm somebody who has a lot of complicated feelings listening to a Swans record right now. You know, like I have, um, but I'll go put on and dance to a Jackson 5 record with my son, and yeah. then I will listen to, you know, Led Zeppelin more than I used to be able to, and like all these things, like, these right. are all really problematic stuff you you know so i i was thinking about like why is that so why do people have such visceral reaction to when they have to go admit that somebody is problematic right and kind of deal with that sort of thing and i think what it is to me is that it because of the sort of non-reality of being a fan that you're you're a fan of a, of a fictitious version of a band mm -hmm. when the realities of their actions crash down on that it rips something away from the fans in a way that's not just um not not just about the person who did it right you know what i mean yeah. it's not just about the actor yeah. it and of course that's much smaller than anything big that you know especially when it's really horrendous stuff but there is some just like complete unfairness about that and i was thinking about that last night and i was actually got reminded of a high school friend who i haven't talked to in ages a great guy and I was flipping through his Facebook. Mm -hmm. I've been on Facebook a long time, and I was flipping through it, and I was like, "Oh, there's all these high school people are posting a bunch of high school photos of him," and completely unrelated to this. But I was thinking about this while I was writing the notes for the show. Um, it was crazy in his crew and and our friends, not even people I would talk to about with this stuff. I was flipping through, and there was like, "Oh, there's an Op Ivy shirt. Oh, he's holding up a guitar, and it's got a rancid sticker on it," and like. <laughs> There's just this permeation, like the bands, yeah. those two bands are so big that they permeated and kind of became a meta thing. Right. And it's like, does that, like Rancid became more of like a signifier of something than an actually about Rancid specifically, right? And like Op Ivy even more so, like an Op Ivy right, backpack sure. means something, like right. it communicates information to me more than I like a band, you know what right. I mean? And so what does it mean to those moments, like, like all those good times like I like I think a lot of people who have very zero-sum approaches to things go well that erases all of that and yeah it's certainly a fine reaction because of your anger but I I don't think well I think and it's yeah I'm mean, you know talking about how it the lack of nuance and how it, it it does seem to either be like okay this is I'm done with this this is dead to me or Kind of like you were talking about earlier, you double down on, well, fuck you for attacking this. I love this, it even more, and I love it because of that. Right. You know? And it's, and I, I mean, I think that's where, I mean, the when fandom becomes so, like, this sort of, at least I think the latter, perhaps, I don't mm -hmm. know. It's like when a, you're, the, the fandom becomes such an ingrained part of who you see yourself as. 
Um, it's you're actually taking something away from right, it's it has nothing somebody's identity. Right, it has nothing to do with what necessarily happened or what the incident or situation. You know, it's you are personally like I identify as a rancid fan. Right, and you yeah. are, and and so now everybody who's saying, well, t- you know, they did these problematic things that it's. You know, you gotta you gotta own up to it. You got or you gotta like acknowledge it. It feel. I think a lot of people. I, I don't want to. You know, I don't know. I think there's. It it feels like this personal attack. Oh well, you're saying that I, like did that, and then, and if I like it, I I can't do those right. Things. And so, since and, you and already sometimes I, and, well, it's like since you already see me that way, then fuck you. Yeah, I am. Yeah, like, yeah, totally good point. And like, I like. The whole point here for me is like, I don't know what's right, and I'm obviously yeah. non. Um, I'm completely randomized on like when I choose to care about this stuff. You know what yep. I mean? Like I know I'm a hypocritical, complex person that sometimes is a hardliner on this stuff, and sometimes I'm not. And it, that's not completely fair, but I also know that it's like kind of the truth. Like a little bit of this is me going. It, I feel like there's two tracks to what we're discovering about this podcast and tell me if this is too meta okay. but to me it's it's one is what does fandom look like when you become more self-aware fandom at yeah. 15 is one thing but fandom when you're at 40 and you're more self-aware of like yeah the nuance of the complexities and the badness of, of certain people um even if they you know i have a lot of problems with rancid outside of all this you know what i mean like and and you know musically right. have a lot of problems with rants and where they chose to go and their conservatism all that stuff their masculinity problems uh and then you have all this so that sort of meta fandom of like what does fandom really mean when it still means something to you but the thing that means something to you is maybe not reality you know what i mean it's based yeah. on what my it's nostalgia it's what i was feeling at the time it's also just like liking good sounds that come out of a speaker and right. what's the nuance there and and totally fine with being called a hypocrite or told I'm I'm I sort of want my cake and eat it too yeah. on this one you know I I think that's what we're investigating and the other one being well why are we so similar in that we had this sort of arc with Rancid and ended up where we ended up and like I want to tell the story of myself and you and learn about you like it's right. like us learning about each other and and thinking about, well, how do we get from that to this? Those are the two things that this is about. And right, and just as much as it kind of ruins lots of things, when people do shit like this, <laughs> it's kind of going to be the fly in the ointment for this. An interesting, that's an interesting conversation I want to have with you. I'm having a blast doing this podcast. Right. I love it. But every time I go, there's some problems. It just it 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 hurts, and I'm angry about it. And I think it's okay to just be like. I'm pissed. I still love this thing and it's shitty now. Yeah. And I'm pissed that it's shitty. Like, like I think it's okay to kind of almost have like this fans rights moment of like, I fully acknowledge every end of this and it just mostly makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I, I mean, I try to, I, I, I try, I, 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 first of all, I totally agree. I mean, I think those are the two. That's the, that's the plot here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spelled out pretty explicitly, but like, um, to me, it's just when I think and and rancid is like the perfect example for this bigger conversation for me personally because of what rancid's music was for me for a long time. And, but this idea of yeah, like 
just, I don't know, how to, to kind of have reconcile the two things of like, I love this and it's fucked up. Yeah. And, but, and, and, and like, and realizing that's kind of okay because, yeah. because I mean, not to get like too pie in the sky here, but I mean, the world is fucked up. Everything is like part of the problems in our society right now is everything is painted in this black and white, no nuance. You're with us or you're against us. And yes, rancid fandom music, all these things aren't, uh, you know, aren't on the level of societal society's problems, but it's all like there is a less sort of harsh way to think about like, to kind of parse these things and figure, you know, and like, there is a line, everybody has a line and, and like, and like you, for me, it's, I think it's random. I couldn't, you know, like, and, and maybe it's easier for, you know, I don't know, like someone like, I, I mean, I don't really give a shit about JK Rowling. So that helps, but like, yeah, that one. Helps <clears throat> but I mean, when I look at a situation like that and, and, the, and where that matters is I have, you know, people who are friends or people who are acquaintances or people who I like that, you know, we may not be good friends or whatever, but who are, um, you know, fucking love that shit. And they grew up I mean, on yeah, that shit. It was formative for right. people. That's a great example. And so I, I sit there. And so when I see those people still talking about Harry Potter stuff, my initial reaction is like, Ooh, that's red flag because, yep. but that's not fair. Right. And, 100%. and just because they are excited to go to the Harry Potter thing at Disney world or wherever the fuck it is, like that doesn't mean they're a turf. Right. Yeah. And so I, that's something I try to be, I like self reflect on. And I think, and I, I, cause I catch myself doing that, especially with that one. Cause that's like a really big one and that one. And, and, you know, so it may, and, and that's like an ongoing thing. Whereas she is a person still actively causing harm to a lot of people where I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what Tim, I have no clue what their personal lives are. Yeah, I, if somebody could tell me he's, awful all the time to everybody and it's like okay that, that right. follows or he went to therapy you? and got like yeah, help yeah, but, you yeah, know exactly. i mean i don't know and it's not like who knows i have no i don't know these people right. and so that kind of goes into that sort of distancing but yes i think harry potter's a great example of like something something like that is so formative and important to the people who it was who hit it at the right time and like exactly what we're talking about like they are as much you know not as much holy shit not as much <laughs> But they are victims of the shittiness that she's, you know, putting out there in that yeah. now they're put in this bind of like, I love this thing. It means a lot to me. I want to preserve it. And I don't want to have to say, also, fuck J.K. Rowling every time right. I mention that right. I like this. You know what I mean? And it's like when art becomes bigger than that. And, you know, again, we're not trotting any new ground of the last you know, 10, 15 years of being online. Like. But, like, this is a great example for us about this. Yes. And you can hear us talk about it. You know, we didn't want to go too much further into the season without hitting this. But, like, you can hear us talking about it. We both, I think it's become very clear that we really love Rancid and it means something to us. And sharing it with each other has been a lot of fun. Yeah. But also, there's a lot of, ugh, like, conflicted feelings and eye rolling. And 
just want to make it clear like those two things can exist in my mind or whether or not you want them to they do exist in my mind and we're going to talk about right it. well and and for me it's like to be true to this person i hold myself up to be um i have to talk about it i don't want to just yeah. gloss it over you know it's like it'd be easy to just get on here for 20 30 minutes once a week and talk about you know these cool songs and how they make us feel when we heard you know like yeah that's that I mean, that could be a thing, but like, and if that's what you want, cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not judging that. But for me as a person who I try to, th- you know, I have a high opinion of myself, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, I, I want to talk about that, but there's, I want to talk about the context around it and I don't want to run away from it because that's the, that's the easiest thing. I mean, the, the easiest thing in some ways is to be the person who's like, well, fuck you. Yeah. It, I love it more because of this. Yeah. And have no self-awareness, no like critical thinking about it. And that's like, that's boring to me. Like, and that's not, um, you know, that's doing nobody any favors. So I think that's well said. And I think we'll come back to indestructible and talk about all the complicated feelings we have just in general, musically and uh, societally with this moment in time. But I think when we hit that record, we got to kind of talk about like, well, this is where this became really obvious that there was something was wrong. And, um, and I'm yeah disappointed in these guys and the way they dealt with it. And, uh, that's a, that's a layer and a color to everything yeah in my mind with rancid, you know, at this point. So, uh, we'll continue to work on it. I know this was a long episode, but I feel like we got to say all this stuff. And, you know, if, if anybody, a wants to drop off, not listen to this ever again. Yeah more power absolutely happy also if people want to give us feedback about the way we're approaching it yeah i'm interested i i am i i will completely concede to being sort of a a hypocrite and a mixed up (laughs) you know you know somebody who's very like emotionally mixed up on this topic with this particular thing and i'm willing to hear yeah all sorts of feedback on that so yeah i mean i'm i i want to be better when i can be better so um yep yeah uh 100 uh, all right but there is some joy to be found here yeah what uh what what are we gonna do next week all right we are gonna go and we're gonna talk about a classic in my mind from outcome the wolves lockstep and gone yeah okay so i'm gonna have to get a new uh, a new choice because that was going to be mine. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing that we've. This is like episode. That'll be episode seven, and out of the two hundred songs, we're already doing this. So we're already, already stepping, stepping on each other's, other's toes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we think alike. Yeah. So, obvious, so. All right. Well. All right. Well. Hey. Thanks for doing this. With yeah. I, this was. Um, this was. I don't want to say it was fun, but it was good. So. Um, hey, every and everybody else. Thanks for listening and. If you have some feedback or you want to yell at us, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at RancidPod. And listen to us on all your favorite podcast apps and give us five-star ratings. I don't know if that's a thing. Anyway, um, yeah. All right, Sam, have a good week. Take it easy. See you.